Here at RogueIntel.com, we strive to entertain and to stimulate. From nerd rage to outrage, from goofing off to deep thoughts, we've got you covered. The only way we really know how you all feel is to hear and see feedback. And that's more than a thumbs down, thumbs up proposition. Tweet us or write us on Facebook. Review any show on iTunes. Or, to really mix it up with us, join the forums for access and insight on each show, its creators, and what everyone else who listens like you do feels about it. Feedback, because we're starving for it. Hey, this is Renee. And this is Kim. And this is Round Trip. We've got something special today. Uh, We had our close friend, Rebecca, in the studio with us talking about her fantastic trips. (laughs) Apparently there were two trips to Cuba. There were multiple trips to Cuba. And she gives us some really great advice on just navigating, getting there. Yep. Understanding what's happening there culturally. And just a few extra tips on those of us who maybe love Lay's potato chips and think we're going to get some while we're there. (laughs) And maybe we're not. Nope, probably not. You may get some like Lay's, but may not be Lay's. Lays like. Lazish. Lazish. Exactly. So if you're thinking about going to Cuba or planning a trip, listen, learn. I think you'll get some great information from today's podcast. Yeah. It's it's a ton of information. A lot. But you'll love it. Enjoy. For today's show, we have our special guest, who is Rebecca Adams. Are we allowed to say your last name? Do you care we say your government name? You can say my government name, Renee. Okay. (laughs) 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 So not funny. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I slid that in real smooth. You did. You did. did. It was real nice. Uh, so Rebecca's back. If you don't remember, Rebecca, we had Rebecca on the show last year and she talked about solo travel and gave us all the ins and outs on what to do and how to prepare if you wanted to travel solo. She also so, gave us the great tagline, be careless and carefree. No, be careful and careless. Yes. The two C's, mm-hmm. as we call them. So Rebecca's back because, again, because she's a solo traveler. She's taken this opportunity to come and sit with us to talk about her fabulous trip to Cuba that she took uh, a couple of months ago, right? I guess. Yeah. A month ago? Yeah. December. So the first thing I wanted to ask, because I know that everybody's going to try to figure out how to do this. I actually talked to someone today who's going to Cuba next month, and she made it seem like it was very easy for you to make your way to Cuba. And it could be now that, you know, some of the regulations have changed and the travel requirements not be may not be as, you know, strict. So how do you prepare for the trip? Like, what do you expect before you go? Is there a visa requirement? Like, so what is the, what's the paperwork like in order for you to go to Cuba right now? Okay, so I can, I can speak to the two airlines that I'm familiar with. Mm -hmm. Um, So with both, 
and that is JetBlue and Southwest Airlines. You can go online and simply book your ticket. Shortly after you book your ticket, um, speaking about JetBlue specifically now, probably about 10 days after you book your ticket, they'll send you an email. And in the email, it'll include information regarding the required health insurance, because when you travel to Cuba, Cuba requires that you have health insurance. Mm -hmm. And most U.S. airlines provide you with the health insurance, and it's included in your booking price. So... So if you already have health insurance in your employer, can you just show proof of that or? No, because no. U.S. So pretty much when you think about Cuba, anything that's acceptable and offered in the U.S. does not apply in Cuba. <laughs> good enough. That's a pretty good rule yes. of thumb. Money, <laughs> money, credit cards, health insurance. You can use some cell phone. Some cell phone services work there, and I can talk about that a little bit later. But pretty much anything that you have here does not work there. Um, So that's why the airlines provides it in part of their ticketing cost. And so with JetBlue, approximately 10 days after you book your ticket, you'll receive an email. In the email, it requires that you complete um, the form, the government form that identifies why you're going to Cuba. I selected people to people. And Mm -hmm. then underneath the people to people option, there's another option that says, um, educational and helping the Cuban people. And that's what I selected because I'm not, I was not traveling as part of a school function or a school itinerary. So people to people for regular people who don't know, is that just a volunteer type thing? Like, oh, I'm, I'm coming here to volunteer. I'm coming here to be a part of the culture and explore and learn. Like there's some educational aspects of it. That's what people to people means. So people to people does not include volunteering. That's a whole nother ball game. But people to okay. people actually covers you going and experiencing the culture and helping the Cuban people. So when okay. you go for the option of um, people to people, and I think it says helping the Cuban people, basically what you're required to do by the government is have a full time itinerary of some type of activity that is educational in a sense, but not structured. So for example, you could have a conversation with a taxi driver about his experience or her experience in Cuba. You could um, go to a salsa class and that qualifies. You can go to an art museum and that qualifies. Mm -hmm. You can have a cooking lesson and that qualifies. It really can just be anything that um, encourages engagement with the people and that you're kind of learning a new experience from them. Okay, okay, cool. Yes. So um, after you book your ticket with JetBlue, 10 days later, you'll get this form that you have to fill out. It's a U.S. government required form. You fill that out. It goes back to them. I believe they probably keep it on file. I'm not really sure what they do with it. Um, And the email will also tell you information about your health insurance. With JetBlue, um, all you have to do if you're in Cuba and you have a health situation, you need to go to a doctor, you just show them your boarding pass. And that count as your health insurance. Hmm. Okay. So that's kind of how it works with JetBlue. With Southwest Airlines, it's very, okay, so let me back up. So with JetBlue, on the day you fly out, so from the city you're leaving from, for example, I flew to Florida and then Florida to Havana. So while in Florida, before you get your actual boarding pass, you go to the counter and they give you your visa. Um, At that time, they do require you to, again, fill out the U.S. government form that says why you're going. You Mm -hmm. fill it out there. You give it to them. They provide you with a 
um, paper visa, and there's two sides to it. It's, it has like a um, dotted terror scene. Mm-hmm. So one side, the cube, you leave when you get to Cuba. And then when you are leaving the country, you give um, the Cuba passport control the other side. So okay. it's just a little paper visa. I believe it's good for 30 days, which means you could stay in the country for 30 days. Um, and so that's kind of how it works with JetBlue. With Southwest Airlines, the only difference with the process is after you book your ticket, they will send you an email that has your health insurance information in the email. And so you print that off and you keep that paper with you. Okay. Only difference. Same process. You get your ticket on the, you get your, um, your visa at the counter be, out of your departing city to Havana and you're good to go. Okay. It's a lot of paperwork. Yeah, there, there is. Um, okay. you, you kind of fill out that U.S. But but the great thing is, it's literally you write your name on it, the date, you check the box, you sign it, you date it, you're done. So it's not it's it's not a cumbersome piece of paper, but you mm-hmm. do fill it out a couple of times. Also, if you're booking through Airbnb, you have to fill out that same form through the Airbnb site. Okay. Do they ask what cities you're going to visit, or like do you have to like know your itinerary? No. Okay. No. Oh. Well, okay. So. For the U.S., you do want to keep a record of what you've done because I believe, and I don't, please don't quote me on this, but you can go to the, there's, I don't know, some travel website for the U.S. government and you can look, but they have like up to 10 years or something like that to come to you and say, hey, so what did you do in Cuba? And so you want to keep your records. Yeah, I think it's the state, the U.S. State Department's website, I believe. Probably Mm -hmm. more than likely it's the U.S. State Department's website. Yeah. Um, Okay, cool. So we got our paperwork, we got our visa. We're ready to go. We're on the plane. We're there. Because <laughs> that's, that's, that's a quick, quick trip. trip. <laughs> that was, that's it. <laughs> well, that's it. can, I, can I make one one suggestion? Before you go, you're going to want to mm. get money. <laughs> because uh, U.S. money, you can convert in Cuba, but they charge you an additional 10% fee to do so. Ooh, geez. What I found to be the most reasonable in what I did both times that I went is I bought euros before I left. And I converted my euros. And it's almost a dollar to dollar match between the euro and the cuke. Oh, smart. So, cuke. Cuke. so cuke. you want to get euros and and then, you know, when you get to Cuba, convert it to the cuke. Really okay. smart. That's a good tip. Yep. Yep. So now we have our money and yes. our paperwork. There you go. <laughs> and, we're, yep. and we've gotten on the plane. The plane is there. And yes. now we're in Cuba. Yeah. So when in Cuba, what would you say are like some of the customary traditions or behaviors that the tourists should expect once you get to the country? Like what's what's traditional Cuba or is there traditional Cuba? I mean, I know that there have been non-Americans that have been going to Cuba for years. Mm-hmm. So has that impact changed? I mean, is there more European influence that you see when you're there or is it still an area of Cuba, a lot of Cuba that is still customary and traditional? So this is what I'm going to say. Going to Cuba is like walking into a box that has been closed for a long time. Um, it's very traditional. It has definitely, you can um, sense the Latin and um, African um, cultures within the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Although others have traveled there, um, I don't really think there's an influence is what I'll say um, okay. from a culture perspective. Um, it, it is very, um, I don't even know, it's, it's Afro, Afrocentric. It really just depends on what you're looking for, I think. Mm -hmm. um, it's a blend. The, the island okay. is definitely a blend. The people are a blend, but the culture is the same. So the question that I always have when I go somewhere out of the country is, do I need a toilet paper sash? Is there toilet uh, paper? <laughs> all right. So it, here, listen, here's, here's the key tip. So Somebody has to ask this question. <laughs> oh, when you go to Cuba, you are going to want to take snacks and you are going to want to take toilet paper. You're going to want to take some type of Lysol wipes or hand sanitizer. Mm -hmm. um, and you're going to want to, if you're going to def, if you're staying in an Airbnb or a Casa particular, you're going to want to take extra towels and washcloth. You're going to want to bring your soap. You're going to want to bring anything that you feel like you need at home. You're going to want to bring with you. I'm sorry. Am I moving um, to Cuba or am I just visiting? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to bring your vacuum cleaner. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're going to want to bring your, your squeegee. <laughs> your, your Swiffer. <laughs> You're going to want to bring, bring it Alexa. all. Yeah. Um, it, you know, you have to think about the embargo, right? So a lot of the problems is there's things you want, but you can't get. It was very, very difficult to find snacks. You're not going to just walk in. First of all, you're not going to find a grocery store. There are a couple, um, and I don't even, I would not even describe them as grocery stores. They are stores like with some goods in them they're not some bodegas goods. like that the whole you know in new york city you have the bodegas on the corner that kind of has everything in it but it's just super duper high mm -mm. Uh -oh. you you're gonna find stores that have lots of empty shelves <laughs> you're gonna find and i don't even know store is the right word but um i mean if if you're so if you go into a hotel um habana libre they had like a little mini mart but all that the little mini mart sold was liquid so think about boxed milk, um, lots of liquor, some sodas, <laughs> water. So I am moving to Cuba. And, <laughs> and cohibas, cigars. Um, okay. Snacks are really hard to come, come by. Um, I will tell you, though, I think close to the last day, couple of last days on my last trip, I learned that um, uh, the um, Hotel National had a little gift shop. And, oh, my gosh, they had Pringles. And Snickers, and they saved my life. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> okay, so when you're saying snacks, you mean like that—that's kind of the kind of snack you're talking about. But what like about like cookies, fruits chips. and vegetables and kind of ready um, to eat stuff? Okay, so you you can find some uh, fruit markets. I, I did see some. Um, they were they were kind of scattered. It, what I found was that what's here today may not be there tomorrow. So today there might be a fruit stand, but tomorrow it might not be there. Okay. Um, yeah, if you're thinking like crackers, cookies, um, anything along that line, those lines, you're really not going to find it. It's really hard to find. Granola yeah. bars, just something that you can just hold you over to the next meal is really hard to find. I did not see any vegetable type of stands or, or vegetable stands anywhere. Um, and the fruit stand that I saw, I only saw it one time in what? 12 days total. Oh, wow. Um, even with the restaurants, right? Sometimes they run out of food. So I found one restaurant that I really, really loved. I would go there. And then one day I would go and they were open. Like Random. just not open. Just, just not open. 
Um, th- I went to, I found a coffee bar. I love the coffee bar. I went there one time while I was there, their cappuccino machine broke, went there every day after and it never reopened. So if something breaks and they're not able to fix it, then they can't provide a service. If they have food on the menu and they run out of the food, then the restaurant closes. Um, I had one restaurant where I had to order three different meals because every meal that I wanted, they no longer had. Um, you'll also run into instances where maybe, you know, there'll be a, um, I don't know, I'll, I'll call it maybe a home vendor where maybe someone is cooking food in their home and selling it. You'll see the line for the food. You'll get to the top of the line and they're like, we sold the last, whatever it was, and the doors closed. Um, some stores you'll go in, you'll want to get a soda. They won't have soda anymore. So now you got to find another store. So it's, I think some of the challenges, so the, the running theme for my trip was um, be flexible and be patient because what you think will be there won't be there. And you're just going to have to come up with an alternative idea. What's the deal with toilet paper? The toilet paper, from what I was told, is it's really difficult to get. Um, And so um, a lot of public places will not have toilet paper. And it's also, um, if you go into a public place and um, you want to use the bathroom, they'll ask you to tip and they'll just have little pieces of, I don't know, paper towel cut up. It'll be cut up for you to use this toilet paper. Um, So they do try to provide that. But from what I heard, it's very difficult to get. Um, A lot of things are very difficult to get. Um, One of the things that I heard consistently and everybody told me when you come back is bring medicine. So they have a really great healthcare system, which is awesome. But you may be diagnosed with something and go to the pharmacy to get a prescription and they don't have the prescription. And when the prescription is coming, they don't know. So it's, you know, the embargo has really restricted their ability to have um, quality products. And one thing that I noticed is there's way more supply than demand. I'm sorry, way more more demand demand than supply. supply. There you go. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Because they run out. They run out of things. Um, And you just have to, you have to be flexible. I have a random question. So what, what, if anything, would you say Cuban people have a lot of or enough of? love oh that's sweet that's beautiful yeah yeah because you know what I mean when I when you know there was times where I was just like almost moved to tears because I was just I just felt like no one should be forced to live the way that they live but everyone that I interact with was just so loving and peaceful and smiling and you know we're so we're so happy you're here and, you know, really willing to talk about the country and what they love about the country and where they think there are opportunities. And um, the really unique perspective is just like anywhere, ev- there's two sides to every story, right? There is two sides to Cuba's history and both sides are valid, in my opinion. You could feel the, um, you can understand having to be, having to leave your home and all of your things because, you know, it's being redistributed. And at the same time, you can understand, well, I have nothing at all. And now I'm being given something. Right. So it's a very, um, you know, conflicting history, but it's, it's valid. Both, both sides have valid thoughts and valid feelings. But one thing that I know is even with the differing perspectives, you'll talk to people that say, I love Cuba, I'll never leave Cuba. And then you have other people that will tell you, I can't wait to get out of here and I'll go anywhere but Miami. It's pretty much what I heard. So there's there's not one underlying theme um, as with anywhere. Everyone you, you know, has their own thoughts and feelings and opinions about Cuba. And 
it didn't matter who I talked to, the people that loved it, the people that wanted to leave. The, the one thing that um, was overwhelmingly felt was really like just just the welcoming, the spirit, the oh my gosh, your family now, right? I don't know how many times I was adopted while I was there, but <laughs> everyone was just so nice and um, and just really loving. I just, I can't say, it is now my favorite island. It has topped every island I've really? ever visited. Yes, That's not that I visited a lot, but it's my number one, and I'll, I will return there often. Movies, anime, comics video games, and pop culture. These are but mere playthings for the manliest beings in all of podcasting history, the powerful Nerdcast. Hosted by the gurus of geekdom, Corey and Christian, join them each week to discuss all things nerd culture, everything from Star Wars to Dragon Ball Z, and everything in between. Find the powerful Nerdcast on the Rogue Intel Podcast Network at rogueintel.com. So... Let's talk about Cuban architecture and artwork because I saw your pictures on Facebook and they looked beautiful. So it looks like there is a lot of this mix of, you know, modern and like old architecture and then like this whole vibrant like art space that's happening there or has been happening. Maybe we just didn't know about it because it's not, we went to Cuba every day. So what's, you know, what is the deal with that? Was that just normal? Was it just certain neighborhoods that are more artsy than others? No, I think that um, in every neighborhood that I went to, um, there were some, some unique differences, but one of the things that was consistent was some type of art whether it was the music, whether it was the food, whether it was, you know, graffiti or painting type of art. Um, it, it really was everywhere. Even the buildings, like, as you mentioned, the architecture was so varied and uh, it was just, it, it was almost too much to take in at points is the way that I would describe it. Um, I felt like at every street, you know, I just, I didn't know what I would find down every street. It was a surprise. And although there were, I noticed for me, there were some running themes, um, very, the Cuban people, um, are very talented. They, you know, they have that Latin and African flair to them that just really kind of takes over and every aspect of the art element. So is there, um, a certain city that you visit or area that you suggest for people to visit or area to avoid <laughs> mm-hmm. if we're taking our trip to Cuba? Um, like what was your favorite place? Is there some, a particular neighborhood or a city that you'll go back and be like, yeah, I'm definitely going to go back here again. Yeah. So when I was there, um, I went to Havana, old Havana. Um, I stayed in Vedado mm-hmm. and I went to the beach, which was, um, Oh, gosh, I can't remember the name now, but it was like in St. Maria area, Playa de Estes. That was the name of the beach. And um, I also went to Vinales, which is kind of like the country. Um, And I loved them. I loved all areas the same, but for different reasons. Right. So the country was very beautiful and tranquil and you have all these beautiful trees and farmland and it was a much slower pace I would love to go back because I was told there's really beautiful waterfalls and natural pools there um, and that's really that that city is more for an um, outdoor experience because you can go hiking and horseback riding and mountain climbing and all this kind of out 
outdoors activity. So I would love to go back and explore that a little bit more. Um, I did not go to Trinidad, um, which is about two hours outside of the city, um, but I heard it was beautiful. And so I would love to go there. But my dream place to go that I have not yet been is to see um, Santiago de Cuba. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just hoping, I just hope flights open up there because it's really far from Havana. I think it's an 18 hour bus ride I read. So um, I, I loved all of it. And it really just depends on what your goal is while visiting. Obviously, if you stay in the Havana area, um, you're going to have lots of nightlife and restaurants and bars and um, just the constant hustle and bustle. The first time I stayed, I stayed across the street from Havana Libre. And I was literally on a street that never slept, if you can imagine. (laughs) I mean, cars honking, people running up and down the street, music blurring literally 24 hours a day. So it just depends on what it is that you're looking for. Um, but if, if I was to, if someone were to ask me, well, what should I do? I would suggest that they see as much of the island as they possibly can within the time they have. So speaking of that, how would you get around? Like, what would you suggest to get around? Because, I mean, it's not like they got Uber. So it's not like right. you have an Uber to get around. <laughs> so oh, how would you yeah. maneuver through all those places? Mm-hmm. So there, there's a couple of different options. Um Um, The second time I went, I took a tour, so it was very affordable because I was on a tour bus and it, you know, took me to to all of the the destinations. But they have um, obviously taxi cabs for in the city. But if you're looking to um, and they also have what they call collectives or collectivos. And that's where you can jump in with, I don't know, however many other people fit in the vehicle and you kind of split the expense. Mm -hmm. Um, If you speak Spanish, you're going to get a way better deal than if you don't. So it's good to make friends that speak both English and Spanish. You can have somebody, you know, arrange it for you. Um, If you're looking to go to um, Trinidad, I heard that um, Hotel Capri and I want to say Hotel Tropicana offers a bus ride, which is $27 each way. And um, which is very affordable. So you can um, look into that. If you take a taxi to Trinidad, you're looking about 150, 180 because it is a four, it's a four hour trip away. Vanellis is two hours um, away. And so, you know, I think I'm not really even sure how much that would be. I'm guessing probably half the cost. Um, But there are, you will never run out of options for transportation because pretty much every car on the road is, um, available the taxi. And one thing I have to tell you, I noticed the whole time I was there, I only saw one female driver. And I think she, I think she was not Cuban. And I think she had rented a car somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very interesting. Like you kind of notice those little things, um, you know, between um, men and um, women gender roles, you notice that a lot there in Cuba. Hmm. What surprised you most about Cuba? Um, well, a couple, I think there were a couple of things that, you know, kind of took me aback. You know, when you hear about Cuba, the one thing that you hear is that everyone is equal and everyone makes the same money, right? Because the Cuban government pays them. Um, but I actually found that that's not true. Um, there are, um, levels to the socioeconomic system there. And so what I learned is that, Um, Some people in Cuba are very wealthy. 
And many people in Cuba would be considered middle class. And I, for me, my perception is um, the people that have someone outside of the country helping them bring them to that middle class status. Um, and that's why there are so many people able to rent their homes and rooms in their home and rent on Airbnb and, you know, have vehicles, et cetera. It's because they have family outside of Cuba that can send money and bring in goods. And then you have another class that has no one outside of Cuba and they are definitely in the lowest economic um, category. And, um, their living conditions would be very similar to what I saw in the favelas mm -hmm. in Brazil, if not worse. And you don't really hear a lot about that. And mm -hmm. you don't see, you don't see about that. And, um, you know, I just kind of, you know, I met someone and I was just talking to them and explaining, you know, what I was interested in and what I wanted to know more about and um, was fortunate enough to be trusted enough to be shown um, this other part of Cuba. I need to back you up for a second. Um, because I think you've mentioned twice that both times you went to Cuba. How many times did you go? And Two. was this all within the same time frame? Month. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Please explain. <laughs> um, I, listen. Okay. So I had planned to go for New Year's Eve for months. That was a planned trip. I had made arrangements. I was going um, with a tour group. Um, the tour operator is a professor at FAMU, and we were going to go and just have this, you know, great experience. And I was so excited because the doors had opened and I'm going to Cuba. And then I saw a special to Cuba for JetBlue where from Florida, the airline ticket was $114 round trip. So I was like, I can't, I'm not passing that up. I'm going. So I ended up going before my planned trip. So did you meet up with the group while you was there at all? Um, so the group went later. So it was two separate time frames. So yes, when I went the second time, I did meet up with the group. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. how, how many? She, it was just like, <laughs> she was, was just there. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You know, I couldn't pass up that flight special. And I was just, I was so excited about going. And, you know, a friend of mine had reached out and was like, oh my gosh, did you see this ticket? And I was like, yes, I did. And so we went. So where did you stay huh. the first the first time? So the first time I rented a, a um, apartment through Airbnb and I stayed literally right across the street from Havana Libre. And it was in the Vedado area. And I picked that area specifically because um, I wanted to be near a major hotel, right? Because I don't speak any Spanish. My Spanish is horrible. Even when I try to read it to you, it just doesn't sound right. So I wanted to be close enough to be able to ask for help, right? Like, I want to go here. How do I get there? Also, um, that street is pretty known for, as I mentioned, there's a lot of traffic. And so there was no problem flagging down a cab and um, trying to negotiate um, rates to, you know, where I want it to go. So I picked that area specifically. Um, the apartment was on the fourth floor and there was no elevator. So that was a little crucial. And, um, you know, it was very basic. It was definitely a Cuban apartment. I will tell you it was very clean, but it was the most basic apartment you'd ever seen. So, <laughs> so it was definitely not a five-star 
you know, accommodation. And um, it, it worked for me because I, we were barely there. Right. So it was it was pretty it was pretty awesome. And then where did you stay? Fun. It Go was. Ahead. Go ahead. Oh, so the second time I stayed at a Casa Particular, which was a totally different experience. It was in the same neighborhood. It actually ended up being um, four blocks away. And um, the house was gorgeous. So the house was converted into, I want to say three apartments initially. And um, the family that I rented from actually owned one side of the house. So mm-hmm. they had built four or five apartments in addition to the one that I was on. But it was really set up like a house. I can't even explain it to you. Because here's the thing. It's it's their their house structure is not like ours. Like mm-hmm. your apartment could be connected to my apartment and we could share a door, for example. Um, so, okay. this, yeah, they did a lot of work. The guy, um, it was a family, but the but the men take care of everything. I'm just going to say it. The guy um, had built three or four additional apartments onto his side of the house. And so they actually had quite a few that they rented. But again, it was, it was pretty basic compared to um, American standards, but the outside of the house looked like a mansion. So it was very nice. It was very nice. All right. Well, that's all we have for today, folks. Um, once again, if you want to listen to our podcast, you can listen to it on iTunes. Um, you can also uh, listen to us, of course, on rogueintel.com, stitcher.com, and uh, blogtalkradio.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Facebook. All right, we're done. We'll, <laughs> we'll see you next time. <laughs>